It's like it's the year of closure on movies. In a good way. Oh, I'm here. I'm not sure in what capacity. Episode 22, What the Pat? It'll probably be a little shorter today because I am busy and I'm playing catch-up. But I'll get some things off my chest, talk about a few trailers that I watched, and, uh, oh, and wake up. I'm awake. It's not even early. Let's go. Let's, let's rock and roll this joint. So get aboard the Pat Train. I don't know. I just envisioned us going for a train ride today. That's what I had in my head. And oftentimes it doesn't translate too well, but here we are on the train. It's a classic steam train, in case you couldn't tell the sound. (laughs) And, well, you know, why be boring? Let's have some fun with it, right? So, if you're a Star Wars fan, you probably already know this. The Rise of Skywalker trailer is out. And that's the name of the movie, too. Which I can get down with. A lot of people are trying to sum things up with it and be like, What's it mean? Is Luke dead? Is Rey a Skywalker? I don't know. I'm going to take it with a grain of salt and see what happens with the movie. I gotta say, after the last hunk of shit... Which, I'm sorry, Ryan Johnson. Solo-wise, not meaning Solo the movie, I think you could have done a great Star Wars movie, just not tamper with the Skywalkers. But, this could have some redeeming qualities and possibly be the movie we've been waiting for out of the three. Because The Force Awakens was great. Some people begged to differ. I enjoyed it, and everybody's like, it's just a rehash. But isn't pretty much everything? Look at every horror movie, pretty much. It's the same. Over and over and over. But anyway, all I'm saying is the trailer dropped. I got really excited with that opening scene because it's bad ass. And I do believe JJ is going to turn things around and right the ship and give us some closure that we wanted. Even George Lucas had a hand in it. You know, he had him come in and give some advice and stuff. Also, Palpatine's back. Or is he? Did I even say that right? Who cares? But the evil emperor, there's reasoning behind why and how he's back. If you don't know, I'm not going to say anything because if you want to go in the movie and watch it and see. Plus, who knows if what I'm thinking theory-wise is right. So there you go. Plus this year, November, we're going to get The Mandalorian on Disney+, Plus, which is looking to be like $6.99 a month, which is Disney streaming service. So you're going to get all the Star Wars properties and all of that to your liking and Marvel stuff too, which the question is, is Punisher going to be on there? Let us hope and they do it. Don't screw us over, Disney. So, there's one of the closures this year in the movies is the the nine Star Wars flicks of the (laughs) Skywalker tale is hitting. And, uh, no, I didn't even tear up during the trailer. Shut up. Endgame? Fuck. I'm dying to see it. And we're so close. Like, 12 days away. 11 days away, depending. Could be 10 days. Whenever you listen to this, it could be out now and you're listening to me, you know, in the future, whatever. But those two movies high on my list this year. There's some other great ones out there, too. Some not so great. I actually opted to go see Pet Cemetery because, like I told you, the second trailer intrigued me. So I went and I got to say, you don't have to watch it, really. 
Just watch the original. Don't watch the second one. It, I can't even, I mean, I could tell you what I liked and didn't like about it, but it was, man, it just lacked so much and had so much potential. There's some creepy scenes. There's some great acting. I can't think of the actress name uh, who plays the daughter, but she knocked it out of the park. Freaked me the fuck out. But I don't know. If you're bored and want to see something, you can watch it. There's my review on Pet Cemetery. It really, it's not, yeah. Duh. Let's talk some TV. Because I picked up a couple actual good shows that I'm digging. Start with Amazon Prime. Flip on over to that. Hannah. Eight part season one. I'm on episode five. Really loving the show. It's not what you think. It takes you in directions you don't think it's going. And it's got a good feel to it. It's shot well. And uh, the actress playing Hannah... Amazing job. Even Joel Kinnaman's doing a great job. Morella Enos, who plays Marissa in the show. Uh, and what's neat is both of them, Joel and... How do you say her name? <laughs> Mirella. Sorry if I mispronounce it. We're in uh, The Killing together. So, work together. Now working together again, but on opposite sides. It's a great show. Check it out if you got Amazon Prime. And oh my god... We're going to rewind here for a second, because how could I have forgotten to tell you about the other movie I saw? Say my name. Uh, Yeah, how could I have forgotten Shazam? Seriously, what a great flick. It was better than expected. An amazing time. It was fun. Well done. Didn't leave you like wondering what's going on or figure things out. It was a bit comedic, but I think that's, that's fine. Totally fine. I liked it better than Aquaman. And I had fun with Aquaman. So I think if I were to rate Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam, it would be Wonder Woman, Shazam, Aquaman. But that could change at different times, maybe. But all three of them, great. I will miss Zack Snyder and his vision, but maybe DC's finally figuring out what to do and how to proceed and go forth and so on. Let's flick it back to TV now. On Netflix, I started Tidelands. It's been in my list for a while, and I was curious about it. I do believe there are mermaids in it, and uh, the story looks really cool. So, episode one, it's in the can. Watched it. I'll probably watch more. Great show. So, that's on Netflix, and you got Hannah on Amazon Prime. And in the theaters right now, worth going to see is Shazam, if you like your superhero movies. It's well done. Stay through the credits, and you won't be disappointed. And shit. Endgame. Man. On my, on my brain. And then December, Star Wars. Man, gonna explode. There we go. We got movies, TV out of the way, stuff I'm watching, excitement, because summer is in the air, even though it's spring. I mean, (laughs) you know, you could just smell it around the corner. What? Is that not till June? Anyway, spring's here. Decent weather. I'm gonna go back a little bit, give you a little bit of history, just from myself. I interviewed Tom Kiefer of Cinderella who is now doing his solo thing and out on the road quite a bit. Uh, This is from, I believe, two years ago when the Way Life Goes album hit. Album, tape, I don't think it's tape. Anyway, 
is from when I uh, worked at Tunes 925 and got the opportunity to talk to quite a few artists, and I really enjoy talking to Tom. Seems like a really cool, down-to-earth guy. So here's that interview, and I'll catch you in a bit. Your Tunes, Tunes 92.5. This is Foster Dog Pat, and I have on the line with me Tom Kiefer. He needs no introduction, but he gets one anyway. Lead singer of Cinderella, who currently has a solo album out, The Way Life Goes. And I have him on the line with me right now. How's it going, Tom? It's going good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Um, currently, I believe you have a tour getting ready to kick off. Another leg? Yeah, we, well, we've been out off and on. We've done a couple of legs since February, and we've, we've toured most of the country at this point for the new record. And uh, we're going to start uh, heading back out into fall here, starting in September. The first dates we have booked are a couple of shows with Hailstorm up in Atlantic City and the York uh, County Fair in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I was hoping you'd head up this way, but it doesn't look that way. But maybe, maybe down the road that will happen. Yeah, where are you at? We're in. Uh, we're close to Syracuse, New York. Well, okay, yeah. So about yeah. an hour and a half, but Syracuse would yeah, be. Yeah, we were actually just up that way. I missed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just, I recently um, heard about the album, and it was all through Facebook because I keep looking for Cinderella, and then I find out that you have the solo album. So thanks to the internet and everything, that's how I found out about it. And then, uh, of course. Um, the reason I really wanted an interview with you was because I saw your post on Spotify, and that really sp- sparked interest in, like, I want to get Tom on the air and talk about this, because I really enjoyed your post about it and what you had to say. Oh, um, thanks. And uh, I, if you want to touch on that and talk about how it affects artists and everything, that'd be great. Yeah, I, I think it affects, you know, far more than people realize. And, and I, I know, I know and, I, and I understand why... Some people and, and fans out there, you know, they they enjoy these outlets and they, they see it as an opportunity to hear music and to listen to music, and, and I get that. And I also understand why some people are maybe opposed to the stance that the industry's taking and, um, and maybe why statements like I've made possibly cause a divide. Or, um, But I, what I've also found is I think a lot of that opposition to the industry's stance is due to a lack of really understanding the, the entire impact that um, m- many things have had on, on the industry, not just Spotify. Uh, that's just one business model that's, that's really impacted things hard. So, you know, I, I think that the, the best thing is the more open discussion, you know, everyone can have about it and for everyone to have a better understanding of what the bigger picture is, you know, the better. Um, I don't know what the solution is. I don't think anyone has a solution, but I think the more people understand, you know, possibly we can get back to a better place. And it really, Um, it got blown out of control with the digital age. And I mean, when you started doing music, I mean, it was way, I mean, it wasn't even around. And and you've been around a long time and and watched the industry change and have have grown with it. Yeah, I've, I've seen the whole thing happen, you know, and, I, and like, I, you know, like I mentioned in that post that I made, the, uh, you know, I had the advantage and feel fortunate to have come up in a time where labels um, were, you know, they were able to, and I've used the word able because they're not able to now. Uh, they can't afford to really stay with artists, particularly new artists and mid-level artists, and develop them over um, a number of records and, and make sure that they have the the best of the best in terms of producers and engineers to help develop their talent. And, and 
And, you know, I feel fortunate that I came up in that time and Cinderella did. And and now what I've, I've seen over the years, and it started with the first transmission of an audio file over the Internet. Yeah. You know, that, that's when we were all doomed, you know. As convenient as that all sounded to everyone, you know, and, and even us in the industry, it was like, wow, we just finished a mix and we don't have to FedEx a CD to the label. We can just send it over the Internet. A lot of conveniences, you know, because of that. But it also opened the door to people stealing music or illegal, whatever you want to call it. Right. Piracy, whatever you want to call it. And I, I was. And I know some people view that as a harsh term. Well, I'm not stealing. You know, it's like, well, it's the same thing as walking into a music store and putting a CD under your jacket. And it is. So, it's just a faster means now. What's that? It's just a faster means. Like within seconds, you got the song, and you didn't yeah. even leave your chair. So you know, but you know, the most of the, I think most of the comments that are out there that just, you know, unfortunately don't resonate, and it doesn't mean that it's not a valid point, but the. The aspect of fair pay for the artists and songwriters and all, I think, is absolutely a valid point because you deserve to be paid for your creations. But the the bigger problem that I think a lot of people don't understand is how it not only impacts the artists and their ability to make a living at, at their craft, but it also affects up-and-coming artists and development and everything that, you know, it's, it's crumbling the industry in, in every way. And... It's that's what really, you know, bothers me, you know, to see that there's less and less opportunity because of the lost revenues to publishing companies, to record companies for some, you know, some of the more standout artists that are floating around out there today who have possibly written the soundtrack to a generation or a decade that, you know, may go under the radar and never get noticed because there's not that, you know, on one hand, people will say, well, anyone can put their music out there, and that's great, and I'm all for that. But at the same time, that has created the opportunity also for um, music to be taken illegally and the revenues to be lost. So, you know, it, it's this vicious circle where new artists and even mid-level artists are not getting the same opportunity to, uh, for a label to develop them and, and really help them along with their, with their craft and their talents. And... That's that impacts the whole the whole art at that point, you know, and that's uh, you know it's it's scary, you know, where it's heading, and it's um, the, the even broader aspect is that it really comes down to copyright laws and, and intellectual property, and and that goes far beyond music, you know. Now you're getting into you know it's literature. Yes. It's movies, it's software, and it's having a huge impact on our society all the way down to the retail level. I mean, anyone can see that a lot of stores have gone away out there, bookstores, movie stores, record stores. And, uh, you know, so it's having a huge impact on the economy. It's having a huge impact on the artists and the writers and the directors and producers of movies, the creative people. Um, it's having an effect on them in terms of the living that they make. Um, and it's also in turn having an effect on the development of, of the arts. Uh, so it's, 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 it's a huge impact, and I think it's one that people don't fully understand. And I think, you know, I've heard people make arguments like with Spotify in particular. I think I saw a couple of posts after I put mine up that said, but wait a minute, I pay for Spotify. And it's like, you do. <laughs> you know, some people do anyway. There's, right. there's different levels. But you got to remember just because you're paying for it doesn't mean that the artist 
and the songwriter and the record company and the publisher are being paid. This is a very different model. And uh, the amount that's flowing back into the record companies and publishing companies um, due to the, the fractional rate that is paid and also the impact on the sales that it has is just devastating to, to both you know development, the industry, the artists, everything. So it's, it's, it's a pretty big deal. And, and like I said, it goes beyond, way beyond just music. And I, I'd seen an interview with Van Halen recently, uh, well, recently as in a year ago. They broke down um, their record sales from their first album and how it worked out. And they were talking like it was like half a cent after all album sales were done. And this is back when it was, you know, records and how yeah. it all broke out. And now you're looking at the digital age and like iTunes. It's 99 cents for a song and people are like, oh, it's 99 cents. And um, what gets me is I asked uh, a friend of mine who is he manages some artists and I asked him one day what's the best way for me to buy an album from you that the artist is going to make the most amount of money when I purchase the album and and he told me the best route to go so that they could get it because I mean the breakdown of 99 cents like to you is not that much yeah and it's, yeah and that's the, that's the legal way yes it, you know <laughs> yeah. well you know honestly you know even going back to like you said you know going back to before the digital age when it was all physical product you know artists still received you know um you know in, in terms of what you know the royalties you know it was a smaller percentage than say what the record company would take but obviously the record company is footing the bill and taking a huge risk and put, you know, the amount of money that went into developing Cinderella was huge and Mercury Records took a huge risk doing that. So, you know, it was proportionate, but um, the, even though it was, a, you know, um, a smaller fraction of the pie that was going to the artists, it was still plenty to, uh, to make a living, you know. Right. And uh, it, it's, it's just completely different now. And and part of the problem is, you know, and, you know, talk about, you know, there's many outlets to create issues, but talk about Spotify in particular. Um, you know, if you get the uh, what they call the premium, um, you have then have the ability to create playlists. So, you know, some people say, well, this is just like radio. You know, I'm just listening to the written. It's like, no, not if you have the ability to create a playlist where I think you're allowed to have up to 3,300 songs in the playlist. Um, and you're paying $9 a month for that, um, you know, at that point, that becomes a record library for you. Yes. And it would take, you know, something like 30 years <laughs> at the subscription rate to actually, if you actually, to pay for if you actually bought that music. So, you know, put that in, into perspective and think about how that impacts the industry. So, um, you know, it's not... It's not like listening to radio. You know, traditional radio was a music discovery no. uh, format where you don't have the ability to listen any, to any song anytime you want. They, they program it. They play it. They say, you're hearing this now. And then you go, I either like that or I don't, but I can't press rewind and listen to it again. So if I want to listen to it again, I either got to sit and listen to this station for another 12 hours and hope they play it again, or I got to go buy it. Yep. You know, that's not what Spotify is. Um, yeah, you pay a subscription rate, but it's so nominal compared to the amount of songs that you can put into that playlist. Like I said, I think the math is your subscription that would take 30 years 
and, to equal the amount it would have cost you to buy those 3,300 songs. And I have worked years to get my CD collection. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I guess some people would argue, okay, well, I'm just buying it over time. But, you know, there is, there is a cash flow issue that it's hit in the industry. You know, the bottom line is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harp and drive this point home, who's being hurt is up-and-coming and, and mid-level artists are getting crushed and by the uh, decrease in revenue to the industry, being crushed. They really are because understanding, and like you said, there's a ton of great new artists out there that it, it's a great means to be heard, but it still hurts them because, you know, I, I think if if they don't have the means and the money to go out and tour and be heard more and they're just yeah. sitting at home and, and giving out free music, they're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, and I, and, I want, and I also want to make the point that you just did too. That's a very good point. It, it is great exposure. I mean, because that's the argument that's made a lot. And it's like, okay, yeah, this is great exposure. But I think when you really look at it, the exposure is, does not equal the, da the overall damage that's being done to not only the music industry, but just the general attitude towards copyright and intellectual property protection in our country. Um, what it's doing to our to the you know I mean it's just the impact is just beyond what people really realize. Yep. So and it's only going to get worse. You know I mean everybody talks about how bad the economy is right now. Does, has anyone connected the dots to the impact and the pyramid effect from the the um, the non protection of intellectual property and how that filters down to retail level trucking. You know, I mean, it's just warehouses. I mean, it's it's incredible when you think about it. So, I don't think anyone's really, you know, everyone is worried about our economy too. And these are huge industries in our economy that are being impacted. So, you know, it's a topic that you know you could go round and round and talk about all day the impacts of it. And um, obviously, there's new industries being created, like Spotify. <laughs> Yes. And other things where, you know, but it's it's a little bit different than um, what the uh, what's being destroyed, I think. So, well, like I said, I was truly happy you brought it up. Um, just some other things to talk about. Uh, some happier points. Um, OK, I love <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> I love your guitar work. I love the harmonica, the piano. We could, of course, talk about. But guitars. What, what's what's one of your oldest guitars that you carry with you that you can't live without on tour? Well, you know, it used to be my vintage ones. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge collector of vintage guitars for years, and there was a point where, you know, they became so valuable and so rare that I, I stopped taking them on the road um, for, for a number of reasons. A, they're rare. They're extremely valuable and... and, and uh, but the other thing is the uh, wear and tear on the road, particularly the amount that I perspire on stage, gets into the electronics. And, you know, I just started to fear that it was going to just ruin the guitars. So I, I retired my 59 Sunburst and my 1950 Fender Nocaster, which I only use in the studio now. They're sitting out in my studio. So, but those guitars are still like, you know, guitars that I can't live without on the road so i had gibson and fender both uh, reproduce uh, as closely as they could the the 
the Nocaster and the and the Burst, so I have reissues that I take on on the road now, and, and they're pretty awesome. Uh, both those companies do a really really great job with their reissues, and uh, I love the ones that I'm playing on the road right now. But generally speaking, it's the sound of those two guitars which has been kind of a staple for me over the years. So whether it's the actual real vintage one, which I've now just kind of resigned to the studio, or the reissues, you know, it's still the same sound and feel that comes off of those guitars. So they're 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 a must for me on the road. Thanks for a great album. Oh, thank you for uh, for listening to it, man, and thanks for having me on. All right, have a good one, man. All right, you too, brother. All right, bye. It's so cool to be able to talk to artists I've admired and got to a concert and, you know, music that I've enjoyed over the years. So talking to Tom on the phone was really cool, and I hope you enjoyed it. I am going to wrap things up and get out of here because, like I said, I'm busy. And I don't want Steven to be like, dude, you just made excuses, <gasps> you know. Well, you know what? Um, I cut part of a podcast. Bam! Dig it! So, also, check out Film Sack, because the Dark Crystal series is coming, and they uh, talk about the Dark Crystal. Love the movie. Looking forward to the series. I should probably watch the movie again, because when they talk about it, it's funny, they enjoy it, and it just seems like it's worth watching again, because really, puppets, acting, phenomenal. Jim Henson and his shop, all that. Anyway... I'm kicked to the curb. I'm like a wet noodle. I'm out. I'm in a little... I don't even know what to say. Peace. Rest in peace.